School's out. Story time. This episode of School's Out Storytime features the vocal talents of Hayden Palmer, Michael Mello, Anna McGuire, Ashley Littlefield, and Nathan Williamson. Performing the song, Where Can You Go?, written by Dr. Judy Arthur and Naomi Rose Mock, is Courtney Fitzgerald. Today's story is about a very bad little girl and is called Suki St. Giles gets a birthday present. Enjoy! This isn't going to be like other stories you've heard, where there's princesses and dragons, or knights and happily ever afters. No. You see, this story is set right around the corner from you. No, really. And it's about the very worst girl in the world. No, really. Suki St. Giles was the type of girl whose mother curled her hair into golden ringlets with pink ribbons on each side for a regular day, like a Tuesday. And what's more, Suki St. Giles would look as perfect going home from school as when she left in the morning. Her father had given her, for her ninth birthday just this past June, not a single pony, but two. One that was a pretty dapple gray, and one a rich chestnut brown. His reason? I want my little girl to have anything she needs, and she should have a pony for whichever color she fancies on the day. Was Suki grateful for this extravagant gift? She was not. She stamped her patent leather-shoed foot and shook her perfectly curled golden tresses and yelled, Daddy, how could you? You didn't listen at all. I said I wanted a white pony and a golden one. Send these ugly things away. And that was that. Away went the pretty dapple pony and the rich brown chestnut, and Suki St. Giles never even asked where. Suki St. Giles didn't have friends. For any time a little boy or girl dared to disagree with her, she would have her father write a strongly worded letter to their parents. Subsequently, the child would be forced to have a formal dinner meeting with Suki and humbly apologize, which invariably Suki St. Giles would either reject outright or would require some awful punishment as proof of the child's regret. Such a scene went a little something like this. Benjamin Fairweather, said Suki St. Giles. Are you truly sorry for upsetting me by saying tadpoles aren't waterworms? Benjamin Fairweather was truly not sorry at all, for he knew full well that tadpoles are actually going to be frogs. However, Mr. Niles St. Giles was his father's boss, and he was being forced to say this apology to save his father's job. Poor Benjamin said, Oh, Suki St. Giles, you are very right that tadpoles are really just water worms. How could I have ever been so foolish as to question you? Suki St. Giles appraised him. I don't think you're really sorry. Oh, I am, 
responded the kind boy. Well, in that case, you won't mind proving it, will you? Said Suki, with a smile so steely it could grind glass to diamonds. Um, I guess not, said Benjamin a little nervously. Great! In that case, you can carry all my books for me for the rest of this year, and until spring break of next. And that, as they say, was that. I mentioned earlier that Suki St. Giles had a birthday in June. All year long, Suki would write lists of gift requests for her parents and to share with their friends and employees. But this year, a remarkable thing had happened. There had been no list, or even hints or suggestions. Two weeks before her birthday, Suki St. Giles handed her parents a single sheet of pink paper that was folded into quarters. Mommy and Daddy, this is my list for this year. You'll see that I've decided I only want one thing, so it should be easy for you, shouldn't it? Mr. and Mrs. St. Giles felt a sigh of relief, for you see they loved their daughter very much and wanted to give her all the world. But what does one give a child who wants more than just a simple world for her own? Mr. St. Giles said, Well, my dear, at least we may get something absolutely right this year. How hard can it be with a single gift? And he went to open the folded pink paper. Mrs. Giles put a hand on his arm. But Niall, darling, with just one gift, oh, it's so much pressure. She took a ragged breath. Oh, Niles, I am almost afraid to see what it says. Now, now, Bootsy loves, I'm sure it's going to be fine, said Niles St. Giles as he tore open the neatly folded paper. He then took a ragged breath, and the little piece of pink paper drifted to the floor. Bootsy looked down apprehensively. There, written in cursive, with little hearts above the eyes, was written, This year for my birthday, all I want is the perfect gift that'll make me happy forever. And I know you'll know it when you see it. You have a whole two weeks. XOXO, Suki St. Giles. Niles, I think I'm going to have a panic attack, said Bootsy St. Giles, now breathing heavily in and out of a pink paper bag that had handily been sitting on the table. Now, darling, just relax, Niall St. Giles said, helping her into a pink fluffy chair. I'll handle it. I've known her all her life. Obviously, I can find something that will make her happy forever. And with that brazen and confident statement, Mr. Niall St. Giles put on his hat and coat and manfully took to the streets leaving his wife still puffing woefully into her pink paper bag and his daughter laying on her pink bed with a large smile on her face. For this, you see, was her idea of fun. I won't bore you with all the details of Niall St. Giles's failures, but let me just tell you that he brought home literally 
hundreds of gifts for his tyrannical tween daughter. But each time, Bootsy St. Giles would reach for her pink paper bag of panic diffuser and gasp. No, no, no. She dwarfed that in an instant. Before collapsing again. It was the thirteenth day of the quest for the perfect present. Niall St. Giles was exhausted. He had looked high and low and everywhere in between. No luck. Not even close. He was on his way home, feeling dejected, when he saw on his left-hand side a tent. A tent that had wares of all sorts of interesting and mystical objects outside. Now, it didn't occur to Niles St. Giles, though perhaps it should, that he had never seen this tent before, nor anything like this tent before. But Mr. St. Giles was a singular man with a singular mindset, and he was on a mission. He pushed through the pink gauze and tie-dyed beads that hung over a makeshift door at the front of the tent. Behind a counter that looked like a pink cloud stood a very strange man. He had hair that was not quite a mohawk, but was twisted into a cotton candy floating puff of pink frizz that ended about a full foot above his head. His skin was nebulously peach-colored, and he wore very large pink-tinted glasses that dominated three-quarters of his pinkish skin. The man looked up and right at Mr. Niles St. Giles, and then he spoke with a voice that was as perfect for his persona as ever a voice could be. Ah, Mr. Niles St. Giles, I am so glad you made it in time. I've been expecting you. Now, Niles St. Giles could have asked how this man knew his name, but you see, Mr. St. Giles assumed everyone knew him. Yes. Well, interesting place you've got here, said Niles St. Giles. Ah, thank you, thank you, said the stranger with a pink-eyed smile. We are only here for a limited time. We will actually be closing shop at six o'clock sharp this evening. Niles St. Giles looked at his wristwatch. The digital figures informed him that it was 558. Well, right then, I need you to help me find this. And he handed the strange shopkeeper the now much crinkled and creased pink paper with the message from Suki drawn upon it. The man gave the note a cursory glance and then spoke again. As I said, I've been expecting you. I am curator of, shall we say, special presents. Every object in here is the perfect gift for someone. I simply align the correct people with each one. Your Suki is a tough case, but I have her present all wrapped and waiting for you here. Why, it even has a pink bow that she'll love. As he spoke, he reached under the counter and produced an oblong box. It was wrapped in what appeared to be Mother of Pearl and had a gauze bow of purest pink ties around it. Attached to this 
was a pearl pendant on which was adorned the monogram of SSG in little seed pearls. Niles St. Giles snatched the oblong box, appraising it quizzically. Well, what is it? It certainly looks like something my daughter may like, but you have to understand, we've given our daughter the world. The stranger stuffed him with a manicured finger. And she just wants something more. This is something more. You'll find most of our objects here are quite... He paused significantly. Out of this world. But Mr. St. Giles, we must move on to our next destination. So no more time for questions, is there? I'm sure you'll want to get in touch with me. Should there be any concerns, here's my card. He handed Niles St. Giles a smooth silken card of faintest pink in hue, on which was simply written, Mr. Karam Swift, Procurer. At this point, Niles St. Giles was feeling a bit flustered. He didn't have another option, and time was ticking away. He grabbed the card. Yes, yes, fine. How much do I owe you? Mr. Swift smiled. Oh, no charge. Merely my job to make sure that the right people get what they deserve. He paused delicately. And I think Suki St. Giles is perfect for this present. And in fact, this present is also perfect for Suki St. Giles. With that assurance, Mr. Niall St. Giles headed home, the beautifully wrapped gift under his arm. Had he looked behind him, he may have been surprised to see that the tent and Mr. Karam Swift and all the presents and wonderful gifts had vanished as though never there. But Mr. Niall St. Giles was not a man who took the time to do such a thing. When he arrived home, he showed Bootsy the gift, and for once, Bootsy's breath didn't leave her body, and she didn't collapse into her chair. Without even seeing what was inside, Bootsy felt a sense of wonder, and that this gift was, in fact, the right one for her Suki. The next day was the biggest day of the year for Mrs. Suki St. Giles. Why? Even if her parents didn't find her request, she would take great pleasure in watching them squirm and apologize. And then she would have such fun getting even more of the things she wanted than ever before. It was a perfect plan, said Miss Suki St. Giles to herself as she put on her slippers to head downstairs. As she entered the living room, she saw her parents sitting ramrod straight on either side of the couch. In front of the couch, on the pink carved squat table, was a beautiful gift that looked like it was wrapped in mother of pearl. Good morning, dearest, said Bootsy St. Giles, her right hand dangling near her pink paper panic bag. Happiest of birthdays to you, love. She kissed Suki on her proffered cheek, and Suki promptly wiped the kiss away as she turned to her father, who was saying, Now, love, I looked high and low for this one I did, and this is one of a kind from a very special shop. 
I have a guarantee that you'll love it. Suki allowed him to kiss her, his lips glancing off the top of her perfectly curled blonde locks as she grabbed the present, tearing the beautifully shaped little monogrammed tag off and letting it drop to the floor without even noticing. Suki, dear, do be careful. This is so pretty, we wouldn't want to... Said Bootsy, rescuing the beautiful tag. But Suki St. Giles wasn't paying attention. She was elbows deep in mother-of-pearl paper, which she was systematically shredding as she tried to find her target, the gift within. Finally, after what felt like hours to her anxious family, Suki produced the present. It was a delicate and shimmering lava lamp with a rose gold casing of twisted metal around it. Inside, there was a flow of pink magma that seemed to be shaping the letter S. Suki St. Giles sat back on her heels. This wasn't what she had expected. Well, darling, what do you think? Said Niall St. Giles nervously. Suki picked up the lamp and looked at her parents. It looks expensive, but I'm not sure it does anything. I'm going to take it to my room, and then I'll give you my review in the hour. And with that, she turned on her heel, hair bouncing jauntily, and left her parents sitting in suspense. Upstairs, Suki St. Giles lay on her pink cloud of a bed and regarded her present. She shouldn't like it. It was just a lamp, after all. But there was something mesmerizing about it. She stared as the shimmering S of lava on the inside shifted angles, but always maintained the shape of her initial. It was intriguing. She turned the lamp this way and that, trying to see how the thing was constructed. Suddenly, something caught her eye. It was a tiny stamp on the very bottom of the lamp. Aha! said Suki St. Giles, pulling the lamp to her eye. This will help me figure you out, silly lamp, she said. The stamp itself looked very old, and she had to wipe away what looked like smeared ink on top of it. Suki scrunched her little nose and wrinkled her dainty brow to read what it said. Whoever says these words, this lamp is truly his or hers. To leave the lamp alone is wrong, for its power to you will all belong. No sooner had the last word left her lips, but the lamp flew out of her hand. It was spinning and spinning while lava and smoke filled her room. Stupid thing is broken! How useless! Said Suki St. Giles, preparing to exit the room to wreak her wrath upon her failures of a family. When a voice spoke from the corner of her room. Suki St. Giles? Is that you? Suki turned. It was a woman. She was very tall and had golden hair and was wearing the most beautiful pink gown that Suki St. Giles had ever wanted in her life. Yes? What are you doing in my room? Who are you? The woman spoke. Her voice was sweet and warm, much like lava itself. Why, Miss Suki St. Giles, I am the Lady of the Lamp, and you have summoned me. I am here to give you whatever you wish for. 
and Suki St. Giles, who had never before even been slightly surprised at anything, found herself sitting in shock on her little pink bed to be continued. Can you go? 